Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode of the Fieldhouse Files is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend an interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started today with a free stock by going to fieldhouse.robinhood.com. Robinhood.com. That's fieldhouse.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. It's been a wild week here in Indianapolis and really a strange, somber um, week throughout the NBA community and the sports world with the passing of Kobe Bryant. But it was an outstanding night, a memorable night for Victor Oladipo and the entire Pacers organization last night on Wednesday, January 29th. You know why you're listening to this. It's because Victor Oladipo returned to action and ratings back that up. I got the uh, ratings from last night, the overnight ratings saying it was the highest rated regular season Pacers game on Fox Sports Indiana since January 7th, 2014. That was versus the Raptors. Obviously, the Pacers were coming off uh, a couple of Eastern Conference Finals appearances and such. The next closest was against the Heat, but a strong rating for that game. And I think we all just had such a good time. And and as a result of that, we got to talk about it. So much to to go through with last night's game. Victor obviously hitting that game-tying three, the team winning. I think that was important. And then on top of pouring his heart out on the court, he did post game with the media. So we'll get started. I welcome in from an airport around the country, Dave DeFore, my co-host. And Dave, I know you were watching last night. What were your initial thoughts of, of both his play and the emotions surrounding that night? Well, you know, I, normally I would start with the play, but I, I just uh, that interview, the post game interview, um, like really stuck with me. And uh, I thought about it actually. Until, I mean, I was laying in bed thinking about it. Because we, I think, and even in the media, where we know what these guys go through when they suffer a major injury and they have a surgery and they have to fight back, uh, I think we don't discuss enough the the amount of mental fortitude that it takes to do this. I mean, if you just think about the timeline, you suffer the injury. Within days, you have a surgery. You, uh, you know, the rehab starts, uh, you know, as soon as you can. Um, you're doing months and months of rehab without even really being able to do anything related to basketball. I mean, I guess some guys are, are sitting and shooting, 
um, you know, in a chair or something, but it's not, that's not basketball. And then, you know, then you get to start doing a little bit of light court work and then, you know, maybe you're doing some non-contact drills and then you get to three on three and then four on four. And then finally five on five full scrimmages for, you know, a couple minutes here and there. And then, you know, uh, Vic was doing extra practices with the G league and, and then finally you get into a game and the entire time you feel exhausted because you're so out of shape. <laughs> and, you know, just to think about all the stuff that he went through. Um, and then on top of that, you had, you know, the, the whole the, the death of Kobe Bryant and, and that extra emotion. Um, man, I, I really like I, I, a you know, I, I respect these guys anyway, but like it, it made me. Uh, respect him even more uh, because it, it it really got me thinking about the entire journey that, that it took for him to come back. Uh, and now to talk about it, the, the way he came back, man, I'm encouraged. You know, like one of the things that we've talked about is we didn't know what he was going to look like, you know, right off the bat. Um, I will say he had a lot more bursts uh, in that game than I expected for his first game back. He looked pretty good. Uh, you know, there were a couple of things here and there that we could nitpick and, you know, we could talk about some of the open threes he missed. I don't really care about that. I- I'm I with you. That- yeah. He, yeah. He, he finished the game healthy. And even Absolutely. if he, he put up a donut and was 0 for 8 um, and assisted a couple times and that was it, I would still have considered it a, a great success. Exactly. And so, you know, the the shooting numbers aside, I thought the passing the, I mean, instant chemistry with, with these guys w- was palpable. Like, the, he threw a nice pocket pass to, uh, to uh, Sabonis um, when a trap came. And then <laughs> he then gave, he hold also, on, he gave a great quote about that uh, post game to us. He was sitting there, and I included it in my story. He goes, Man, I've been waiting seven months. We've been talking seven months about doing that. And that was his first kind of tally in the stat book outside of the missed three, which he threw up almost immediately. Yeah. And then uh, and then he had a, a, a another um, where he, you know, went away from the screen, split the trap and uh, was getting to the basket. And that was stuff I didn't expect to see out of him because, you know, coming back from this injury, it usually takes guys, uh, guys a while to get that first step back. But he looks really good. Um, and, and then the bigger thing is the confidence. You know, he was 0 for 6 and then he hits the game tying three. And it was not like a normal wide open three. It was a contested deep three. And I think that this is the guy that we've talked about being able to take that team that's already good without him, but to take him to the next level. Uh, and, and then that's before we even talk about cl- uh, crunch time, Malcolm Brogdon just, you know, <laughs> flipping the switch, uh, which was insane. But man, I, I really am encouraged by Oladipo. Um, it was fun to watch. I think it was, it was, it was excellent. I, I think, you know, the NBA kind of needed that. And, and, you know, you could see, I don't know how much you were on Twitter, but, you know, people were actually talking about basketball again, which was, you know, which was also nice. I thought an interesting conversation I saw on Twitter today, or at least one tweet, Dave, and, and me and you often get into the environment, the setup, and what, what teams are pushing off to fans. I thought an interesting note was maybe the pregame stuff actually takes away from the game because then it, it starts the game and has everybody remembering that type of thing and remembering Kobe rather than just pushing that aside for that time being right and playing basketball. That was an interesting point raised by somebody. You know, I, I think that um, the the 24-second and the 8-second violation, first of all, I, I think it's a beautiful tribute. It's it's very nice. And, and, and the entire league like came together to do that, and it's great. Um, but it has made the start of the actual basketball games clunky. 
and, and it's it's kind of thrown guys off. And and we've seen that. Uh, you know, now that that's going to go away, I think we'll see these guys returning to a, a, a state of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, although it could be it could be after the All Star break. We you know I, I don't know. I mean, it's impossible to to gauge you know where where everyone's head is. But um, I, I'm with you to a certain degree. And, and but I think that with Vic. Uh, it was just such a nice story in a week that's been pretty terrible. And, and that type of thing is what we always need. Um, I, w- I was taken aback, Dave, to be honest, about what Victor had to share Tuesday and how much he had followed Kobe and how much he had loved Kobe and those sorts of things. And he brought up all the Mamba mentality and, and such. And I was taken aback because I don't remember him ever mentioning him. And this is a guy I've followed since uh, since college at Indiana. Um, obviously, he's a big follower of the game. But what I did find out here in the recent days is, yeah, they hadn't um, ever worked together. And that's something he's always going to regret, the fact that he never got a chance to really get together. Pick his brain, I'm guessing, more than anything. But also working with him on the court like he would have liked to do this upcoming summer. And so, yeah, when he showed up to the game, he, he didn't wear the outfit he planned. He wore a, a Kobe Bryant jersey. And he wore shoes that he got shipped in the day before um, that were Kobe shoes and had to write, uh, wrote that chose to write the dedications to everyone. It was an outstanding gesture. Um, But it was a little surprising to me, all the, all the talk from him about Kobe, because I personally just didn't realize the impact was there. One of the big things, I mean, we, we knew that Kobe was working with a lot of these younger guys, but I don't think we had any idea how many of them. It seems like every player in the league under the age of 26 has had a phone <laughs> yeah. call, a text message, and and again, this you know this goes to one of the uh, Zach Harper wrote about this uh, for us over at the Athletic, where he talked about you know Kobe Bryant and Allen Iverson being two of the you know the the last guard you know from from the last generation of players that don't hate on the product and that have embraced the guys and the way they play, and I think that you know like that's part of why he was so special to the guy, these guys. Not only was Kobe you know, that this generation's Michael Jordan, you know, for us. Um, but he also had, you know, this personal stake with these guys where he, you know, challenging Giannis to win MVP, um, you know, putting out those little challenges that, you know, we all, I guess, kind of thought was silly and just Kobe, you know, making it about himself. But, but then you talk to these guys and you see, well, no, this was very much a personal thing for them and that it wasn't just Kobe you know, looking for attention. Like he, he legitimately was mentoring these players. It feels like he was mentoring about a hundred players. It it Uh, really does. Everybody has a story on every team. Yeah. So Kobe's impact on the game is gonna, is gonna last for years because of this kind of stuff. And so, you know, listen, if it means that this next generation is gonna, is gonna maybe pass on the same thing to the generation that follows it, I'm all for it. I, I love that. I love like, you know, um, everything Vic had to say. I mean, clearly it was emotional yeah. for numerous reasons, uh, you know, coming back and and, you know, Kobe. But um, I mean, it was a, it was a beautiful moment. I, and and I, I just loved everything about the game. Like it was fantastic just as a basketball fan. Um, and, I, you know, I'm rooting hard for for Oladipo. And I know I'm not supposed to, you know, as, as a basketball analyst, that's not what I'm supposed to do. But uh, I think it's impossible not to. No, I think it absolutely is because we get connected to these individuals and, and comeback stories. We all love these type of comeback stories. And as several guys mentioned to me in the locker room post game, 
could you have written a better script last night? I mean, that ending and the fact that he had to get over some hurdles. And, yeah, he threw a couple bad passes and wasn't in the right spot when Justin Holiday was looking for him in the corner. All of that was expected. But the fact that he, he hung through it, um, the fact that McMillan went to him late in the game, I thought was a little bit interesting. When they were down by you know four, five, six points, a couple possessions, and with about five minutes left, Victor came back in and stuck with him through it. And then on the final possession, when they needed a bucket, he was the second option. Malcolm was covered, so they went to Vic. And you're right, without hesitation, as you said earlier, he just launched it. And that didn't surprise me because I've heard him talk to several um, local groups around here. And the biggest thing he stressed to them is is the worst shot you can take is the one you don't take. Like, you're only going to keep missing if you don't take it, right? So he he, wa- right. he wants to keep shooting it. And and that wasn't just a, a funny quote or a great line he wants everyone to use. I've legitimately heard him talk about, I forget those shots because I have to forget about those shots because if I don't forget about those shots, I cannot be the great player that I want to become. I'll tell you, man, shooters shoot. I, I can't remember a shot I've ever missed. Doesn't mean that I haven't missed. I've missed a lot more than I've made, but like shooters shoot. And, and you know, the every shot is a good one to a shooter. And, and Vic is clearly a shooter. And, and this is, again, it, we're going to focus a lot on the results and the fact that he made the shot. But to me, the most important part is that he took the shot. It, there was no hesitation. And I do believe, like, I think that this is a sign of good things to come. I love that Nate had him out there closing the game. Uh, you know, giving him a chance to compete. And, and you know, and Victor is, is, a, is a vet. Zion being a rookie, I, I can get why uh, they're not doing the same thing with Zion, having him, you know, come back from injury and close games. Uh, Victor, like, that's your closer. You need to get him back into what he does. And so I thought it was great that they did that right off the bat. I, I personally was a little bit surprised about it primarily because of how much Nate in this last week has stressed the importance of not changing their team approach and not changing how they went about things. Yes, Victor was returning, and they were thrilled. They loved it, but they didn't want it to negatively impact the team and the momentum they were riding. So I actually was surprised that it wasn't McDermott, their best three-point shooter this season out there rather than Victor in closing time when they need a bucket. Now, this probably helped with his confidence if he even needs any more confidence out there. Um, But I thought that was a testament to Nate McMillan, who me and you are in constant agreement, just does not get enough credit for uh, the way his team performs. And I thought my general takeaway outside of Oladipo last night was everyone was mentally drained. They were drained from the Kobe news. They were drained from talking about Victor's comeback. They were drained from probably the events leading up to it, right? They're holding a walkthrough, and they look around, and all these gold signs fill every seat. It felt like a playoff game. It felt like game one of the NBA playoffs um, last night, and how could that not take it out of you um, right here in the smack dab of the middle of the season, and they just got back from their longest road trip of the year? Yeah, absolutely. And again, testament to Nate McMillan, who I think is one of the five or six best coaches in the league. Um, This game, like you said, everyone's kind of like emotional and thrown off. I mean, the Bulls are an awful, awful team. And this is a this was like a trap game. Right. When you think about the not only the Kobe emotions, but also Victor coming back, trying to integrate him in the lineup, trying to, you know, there were so many factors there. And this is an example of why I think Nate is such a good coach. He got this team back in the game, kept kept their head in it, brought them back, and then you know they, they won the game in overtime. But but it was a classic example. They never quit. 
Nate McMillan teams do not quit. They touch you constantly and they always fight. And and this was a great example of that. I thought, you know, it, it was if someone had not watched the Indiana Pacers all year and they watched that game, they could not come away with it without saying, oh, wow, that team is tough. Yeah, and the fact that they overcame 19 turnovers, um, that's clearly much higher than they usually do and um, had different guys have to step up as we saw Miles Turner miss another game um, due to illness. Let's talk a little bit about the direct impact now, the trickle-down effect, right, of Victor getting minutes and uh, I should note kind of his situation right now and um, this was a situation he selected. He picked this game, which I've noted on previous podcasts. He and his staff and his medical team and agents have been in full control of his rehab, which I think is kind of the new era of the player, for better or worse, depending on how you want to look at it. And so currently he's on a 24-minute restriction. And last night he only played 21, and as it went into overtime, because it was an overtime win for the Pacers, uh, the medical staff turned to Nate and said, no, no, he's done. He hadn't played that minutes, but we we see fatigue. Um, You could clearly see in huffing and puffing, and I, I know he was a little bit sick as well, plus all the emotions, plus not being in game shape. Um, but he's limited to a 24-minute restriction, and he will continue to come off the bench at least until the All-Star break. And uh, this will give them an eight-game window for him to slowly work his way back, then the All-Star break, a few more practices under his belt, and then they'll reassess his situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, listen, you know, we talked about this. They're going to treat him with kids' gloves. The whole goal is to have him ready come April. And, and beyond that, the whole goal is 100%. to have him ready for the, for the next, you know, 10 years, right? Like, you know, I think that the San Antonio model, if you think back to Tim Duncan injuring his knee, what was that, the 2000 season? Um, and, and he missed the playoffs. When, when he said, you know, he could have played, uh, you know, if, if he had to. But Greg Popovich talks about this all the time. We sat him because I'm not just worried about the next 10 games. I'm worried about the next 10 years. And, and I think that the Pacers are going to have a similar mindset. Nate put it best, and normally I'm not just going to quote him or whatever on this show, but this is too good, so I'll read this at postgame, a couple of sentences. The thing is to be slow with him. We're not concerned about now. We're concerned about the future for Vic and that he plays, in a, uh, plays a long time in a Pacers uniform. Exactly what you just said and how you said it. So that is absolutely their, their utmost importance with him and slowly working his way back, and, and that's why they're doing so. And keep in mind, it is so critically important how they handle this situation because they need to lock him up to a contract extension this summer or who knows how things could go. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I, I didn't know that he had said that. So uh, it's good to know that, that <laughs> Nate McMillan and I agree. <laughs> yeah, an in, 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 interesting post game is both Nate and Victor spoke at the podium. Nate always does, um, but players are with the Pacers are at least reserved really for the postseason. But to speak to last night a little bit and paint the picture for how it was, I mean, there was probably three times the number of media um, the day before at practice. Nate joked at least five times about how, uh, where you guys been? Uh, we missed you. Um, let's look down, the, down this way. And this was a pr- pure example of Victor's influence in his return and that, hey, there's – Tons of more people interested in, in seeing him and seeing this Pacers story. So last night, Victor spoke at the podium, I think, for what was more than 15 minutes. Very reflective um, and very thankful. And maybe that's our next point here is I thought it was touching how before the game he thanked his teammates for for being the, a little bit of a distraction, right, and having to answer questions about him all the time and more than anything – um, those end of the bench guys and the G League guys for staying after practice and holding shoot arounds just for him and, and getting that extra work in so he could have this moment 
and get back. And then also after uh, having those tears post game in an interview and then hitting the locker room, he thanked everybody again in the locker room, tell him, told him he loved him, and I think that really resonated with this locker room, which was already close. Nine of these guys have not played with him, and I think that that touched touched a nerve in a good way with the rest of the locker room last night. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, the the interaction that stood out to me was him and Thad Young, which yeah. you know, um, I like when a guy goes through. I keep going back to this, and it's because you know I've worked with a lot of players and. Uh, I think about this as a coach, and th- but Thad Young was just so happy for Vic, and and like it cannot go understated. Like everyone knows the amount of work that it takes just to be ready when you're healthy, and to come back from an injury like that. Like I loved it. Um, obviously, I mean Oladipo, uh, or not Oladipo, sorry, uh, Demonis Sabonis looked as happy as Victor Oladipo was mm-hmm. when Oladipo was was having success. So. You know, it, it just speaks to the culture that, that Nate has built there and that Victor has helped to build. Um, you know, this is a team that, that seems pretty connected right now, and I said this on Twitter. Nobody is going to want to play this team in the playoffs. Nobody. I mean, I, I will say one through six in the East is going to be a bloodbath as it is. Um, the, the Pacers really have a good shot uh, at upsetting one of these one of these more favored teams. It was it was a big moment, I, I thought, and a full circle moment last night, as you mentioned with Thad Young, because he was on the court when Victor ruptured that quad tendon on January twenty third of twenty nineteen. He was one of the guys signaling to the bench, "Hurry up, hurry up, get over here." Um, and Victor touched on it a little bit. Our own Brock Kravitz spoke with Thad and, and touched on it in his article last night. But the fact. Um, that Thad was able to be part of Victor's first game back was not lost on either one of them, and it was very memorable for them. And I think that spoke to number one, Vic, or excuse me, Thad's influence on this locker room, how he united everyone, how he looked out for everyone, and was that big brother. Um, and he really didn't want to move on; it was just the circumstances. He was a victim of circumstances that the Pacers had two outstanding centers and you needed to start them, and Thad was on the the latter years. He was past his peak. Um, But it was really cool to see them um, before the game embraced with big hugs, big smiles. Thad's whole family, his wife and two kids were there for the game, and then afterward the same thing. And and that spoke a lot, I think, about both Thad and about Victor. Yep, I'm with you, man. I I think that um, it was, you know, again, not to to continue to repeat myself, but – with the week that, you know, the NBA and, and honestly, like just the sports world in general has had, um, it was nice to have a reprieve that, yeah. you know, was uplifting. To the trickle-down effect, um, Aaron Holiday did not play. Um, it could happen to TJ McConnell. Uh, Nate had talked about previously, it, it all depends on matchups and maybe if a guy has it going or not. Uh, with Miles out, we saw Goga Bataze play a lot of minutes, and we don't need to get into it a ton on this podcast but he still looked a step slow. He looked like a rookie, and especially I think that was in the pairing with Oladipo when he just wasn't used to playing with a guy that quick and that um, high of a basketball IQ because he would shoot him passes two or three different times, and it, that was part of the turnover battle because Goga just was not ready. Um, Doug still played 17 minutes. Edmund Sumner, who's kind of been out of the rotation remains out of the rotation, and Jeremy Lamb still played his 32 minutes and played all right. So the early indication is Sumner remains out, and Holiday and McConnell will probably trade off duties, but it's going to be hard to keep McConnell out of the lineup, especially with that second unit where he's been so productive on a consistent basis, I think. How about you? Uh, yeah, I thought actually, uh, you know, with the chemistry between 
uh, McConnell and, and Sabonis and, and McDermott, um, I, I don't know how you can keep him out of the lineup. I mean, he, you know, getting to see McDermott's cuts when he's playing with McConnell um, has been eye-opening. I, I think that, you, you know, we've talked a lot about how great of a three-point shooter uh, McDermott has been. But, man, um, his cutting is underrated. He had a nice dunk last night on a, on a pass from McConnell. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it, it is going to be interesting to see how the rotation shakes out. I do think that the Pacers ultimately should want Aaron Holiday to, to earn, you know, those minutes. Um, but, you know, Nate, I mean, he's not going to play. He's not going to play you unless you earn him. So. No, absolutely. He, he, you have to earn that through practice shoot around, and then produce in games. And, um, yeah, and T.J. Warren, by the way, has finished 25 points. He, he's on an incredible streak right now that shouldn't go unnoticed. He's been the leading scorer. I don't think we've touched on that yet, Dave, but T.J. Warren's the Pacers' leading scorer uh, this first stretch of the season without Victor Oladipo, and we kind of hinted at that, I think, in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I at least thought it was um, just because of the type of offensive production he could have and in coming to a, a winning team where they needed some of that offensive production. Uh, yeah, I, listen, uh, um, I thought he was fantastic last night as well. Um, this team, you know, the, the way it's constructed is just so much better than, than it was last year as far as the balance goes. Um, and now you're adding Oladipo to that and with weapons around him and guys that can take on some of the load. Um, but let's not overlook T.J. Warren's defense. I thought last night mm-hmm. he was pretty good defensively. You know, a lot more active than his reputation when he got to Indiana. And again, uh, you know, Nate McMillan's not my coach of the year. But I think he's in the conversation like top five. I mean, the guy is just – he's doing a masterful job. And, and I think, you know, uh, T.J. Warren's defense is what I would point to, even before his scoring, which we already knew he could put the ball in the basket. Uh, I didn't know that he had this sort of effort in him defensively. <laughs> the first thing I would point to is availability. The fact that he has there, been yeah. one of the few players to play in all 48 games, the only starter to always be out there in a year full of injuries, uh, a guy that played, I think, like 39 games last year in part – because they were losing, he was not happy about his situation, but that's a different story. Uh, his availability, his defense, which we've seen several players mold boy on, uh, Doug McDermott as well, and, and then and now TJ. But uh, I know you're traveling. Any final thoughts? I really liked what we saw from Victor. I thought he was much quicker than I was expecting. I didn't expect a lot of rust or a huge drop-off, but I certainly wasn't expecting those type of bursts that he had and his desire and the frequency in which he would look to attack and get into the lane. How about you? Um, You know, I want to actually, I want to highlight Brogdon. I thought thought he showed a lot of uh, grace and deference in regards to role when he was playing with Victor. Uh, This team has, has essentially been about Brogdon and Sabonis this year, and I think that you know they are the keys to the success. It'd be very easy to have played all season like this and be stubborn when the the star of the team comes back. And I didn't see that at all from Brogdon last night. I thought that man, he he was almost a little too deferential trying to trying to get you know the ball to Victor and and, and make sure he felt involved in the game plan and what was happening. And then. The ability to go from that to flip the switch down in crunch time. I mean, is are Malcolm Brogdon clutch dunks a thing now? <laughs> like, it, this is yeah. just what's happening. Like, okay, you need a bucket, and Malcolm Brogdon's going to get you a dunk. And so I, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to make sure we do, you know, just just want to point it out that I, I thought that um, 
that showed a lot of leadership from from Malcolm Brogdon to to you know to be a team player. I, I think that that stuff's important, and again speaks to the locker room that Nate has built. And um, I think this team, man, they're looking pretty good. I think it's a result of his consistency, Dave. Uh, and I mean that by uh, Demonis Sabonis always has these good games, double-double, haven't even touched on him really. And the same thing generally with Malcolm. As long as he's healthy and out there, he's going to produce, and he's been so clutch in those situations. And um, I hate that general clutch conversation, but they lacked a playmaker. They lacked guys in clutch situations, for example, among many things, last year in the playoffs when they were swept by the Celtics. And so it is intriguing and it is fascinating the fact that the Pacers come to the playoffs this year, not only should have Victor back, but have Malcolm right there and in a much improved Sabonis and an offensive score in TJ Warren. Um, so many things to like about this team. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, um, just a different dynamic than they had last season. And, you know, the, the, the scoring from TJ Warren, the scoring from Malcolm Brogdon, uh, what, what Demonis Sabonis has been doing, you know, in every facet of the game, um, Man, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how this looks post-All-Star. Saw someone on Twitter give you props saying, hey, for every good comment you have, I got a beer for you. I feel like someone's going to owe you a keg, you and I a keg, Listen. after after what we've seen. And, and we're speaking <laughs> the truth, though, here. It's it's not an exaggeration. It's it's just what we have observed. This, this team, there's a lot to like about what they've seen. And I don't see them going to the NBA Finals by any means. But if they continue to move forward, they could at least get to the conference finals in my mind. Um, yeah, I think, I still think that's, you know, that's going to be an uphill battle for them. Um, but, uh, nobody's going to want to play them. I, I think nope. that, you know, like, but I can say that about a lot of teams in the East because the top six are, are really stacked. Um, we're going to have some very competitive playoff series and, and you know, a good team is going to lose in the first round. I think we just need to go ahead and be ready for that, that, you know, we're going to see a good team lose in the first round. It could be the Pacers. Uh, I think they will have a puncher's chance at, at the conference finals as well uh, because of, you know, just the the Swiss Army knife that they now are offensively with Oladipo. Um, but, yeah, uh, also, anybody listening, if you see Scott Agnes in public, buy the man a drink. <laughs> Too bad when they if they do, I'm generally at the arena and working, so I couldn't accept it anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I guess yeah. Uh, you know they operate on different rules in the arena, yeah. Yeah, otherwise I would happily take it. Well, travel safe. Thanks for jumping on. I think this was absolutely a fun conversation, but it was also yeah. a necessary conversation after the biggest news of the year for this Pacers team of Victor returning. Yeah, I, I agree. I, again, man, it's just like I think we all needed it. Um, you know, it's nice to see him out there. He's Dave DeFour. I'm Scott Agnes. This has been a fun episode of the Fieldhouse Files, and I hope you really have enjoyed following Victor's return and then what a night it was Wednesday night at Banker's Life Fieldhouse with the signs. And I don't know if you noticed, but it was very similar to the night Paul George returned in 2015. They had the signs for him. He came off the bench and checked in with about six minutes left in the first quarter, got a nice welcoming back video, and it meant the world to Victor, much like it meant a ton to Paul. Subscribe to Fieldhouse Files on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts, and it would be appreciated if on Apple Podcasts you gave us five stars and left a review. I mean, that would mean a lot to us as we continue to grow this show. I have a lot of special guests planned for future episodes, and if you want more coverage, head over to The Athletic, where both myself, 
columnist Bob Kravitz wrote on last night's game, and our national writer, one of them, David Aldridge, was in the locker room and will be writing soon about this Pacers team and what to look forward to. That will do it for this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, and I'll talk to you again next week.